it's now time for another episode of that other Masonic podcast. You know, not this one, not that one, that other Masonic podcast. Podcast coming to you from where are we come from? Beautiful Vincent's Lodge number one. Vincent's number one. How lucky are we? Pretty lucky right now. Episode two, not of the season, but of a marathon <laughs> of a session today that's going to be probably the best Slayer recordings we've ever put together. It better be. We got a treat. Very big one. As you hear me play with my mic here, I'll have to edit that out, but <laughs> we've got something on tap for this episode that we've never done before. We'd never tried it, no. When I originally pitched this idea to you three months ago, yeah, I said, I want to do an interview and of course we'll do the normal interview where we talk to them about you know all the questions we ask him but my idea was for the meat and taters of this episode was about the three men who have put together bible presentations like nobody else's business in the state yeah that would be brother bill show yeah. brother jim sharp brother harold huffman right unfortunately for everybody that's local that follows the show and we have a lot of local following around <laughs> southern indiana western kentucky yep we couldn't get a hold of Brother Harold. He has a lot going on in his life, and our thoughts are always with him. Uh, oh, yeah. So, but we did manage to pull the other two of that trifecta. Oh, yeah. Which is Brother Jim Sharp and Brother Bill Show, And we got them together. And as we sit here and we look at both of them before we have them introduce themselves, do you know the amount of just experience that we're setting with today? The, the years of experience. Oh, yeah. Like the things they could teach us. Yeah. So, well, I, I just found out one of our guests is a 33 degree Mason. I did not know that till now. And I've sat in law with him numerous times. Man. He's a humble man. He don't brag about it. That's a good thing. Well, uh, let's give a chance for uh, to, to let both these brothers introduce themselves. And I don't know how I'm going to play band director on this episode. We've never <laughs> done one together, but... I don't care. It could be organized chaos. I wouldn't care. This is story of my life. You can't. You have to remember the Chevy Chase, the movie. You're gonna have to surgically remove the smile off our faces. Yeah, that's, that's true. about where I'm at right now. What movie was it? I don't. Know. I don't know. It's Chevy Chase. It's okay. Yeah, it wasn't that good anyway. <laughs> but uh, we'll start with uh, Brother Jim, and then we'll work a bit. Brother Jim, would you mind introducing yourself? Jim Sharp, uh, member. Past master of Owensville Lodge 364 back in 1962. Past master of Fort Branch Lodge uh, 696 back in 2017, 2018, I believe, something along that line. Is that soon? And Brother Bill Shobe, would you introduce yourself, everybody? I'm Bill Shobe. I'm a past master of Lagodi Lodge number 626, which doesn't exist anymore. And also past master of White River Lodge number 332 in Shoals. See, I never knew Lagodi had a lodge. I've driven, driven through there numerous times. and I, I didn't know thought, that either. I always thought it should have had a lodge in it. It was <laughs> right up above the movie theater that used to be there. Uh, now it's a parking theater? lot. <laughs> the, the theater is torn down. The lodge is torn down. There's a parking lot. There. Oh, well, that's too bad. <laughs> I'm just so happy. Look at me. I'm I like, know you are. Like these two guys... Um, I don't, rem I don't remember Brother Bill from the first, you know, I did five years, then I went to night shift for eight years, now I've been back for two. I don't really remember Brother Bill from before. I remember Brother Jim, 
but these two together, like I'm just like a, I'm like a fat kid in front of a piece of chocolate cake right now. Like I'm so happy. It's a good analogy. <laughs> it's just yeah. I've never been called a piece of chocolate cake before. <laughs> it's first time for everything, bub. <laughs> so uh, we'll just keep bouncing back and forth. Uh, Whatever. Because I know eventually we're going to get into. I don't know what we're going to get into. It's just it's I'm super open excited. Four, in my opinion. Uh, Brother Bill. Tell everybody how and why you got involved in Freemasonry. And then I'll, when you're done, I'm going to ask the same question to Brother Jim. Uh, Freemasonry, I didn't know anything about. You know, uh, back in the day, and I'm, I'm kind of old now, so back in the day, the Masons didn't uh, advertise too much. Right. No. You had to ask to become a Mason. Right. My dad, my dad was a Mason, so that probably was my influence. But he uh, never said anything about it. You know, he would go to the meetings occasionally. I don't think he attended regularly, but he did go to the meetings, and I wonder where he's going. But uh, he never said anything about it. Mm -hmm. So it was, I was probably 30 years old before I joined the Masons. Oh, really? And I, uh, I'd been in college, I was married, I'd moved to Lagodi, and uh, it was always in the back of my mind, but nobody had ever asked me about it. And I went to a furniture store in Lagodi. We just moved there, needed to buy some things. And the two guys that ran the store were masons, and I talked to them, them a little bit. And finally, I said, I'd like to join. So they gave me a petition, and that was my entry. But nice. really, uh, it, it was tough back then, you know, because nobody asked me about joining the masons. You had to ask them. It might need to be turned out. And uh, so that's that was it. probably the only influence I had was my dad, yes. and that was because I knew he went to the meetings occasionally. Yeah. And I wondered what he was doing. <laughs> well, just, I think that's a problem back in the day. A lot of the, the fathers and grandfathers did not talk about it to their kids. Didn't They may have taken the lodge for a, a picnic or a family thing or whatever, but they never really explained it to them. No, like here's that, what here's what Dad does on certain nights of the week. He and, would go to a meeting. And I wondered where he was going. You know, he never talked about it. Yeah, everybody's all hush hush about it. Now, you know, it could be it's one of the factors why the membership had dwindled over the years. I think it is. Todd, you want a fun fact? Go ahead. So we just talked about this before we started rolling tape. Right. So, <laughs> brother Shobe got married, started a family. Yep. So I had a teacher in high school. Yeah. And over the last year or so. I've been posting stuff on social media, tagging some of these brothers, and uh, or if we weren't friends, talking about them. And I had an English teacher my senior year of high school, and she was like one of my favorite teachers ever. And I always thought she was a relative. I'm like, that's got to be his niece. Turns out my high school, my senior year, my English lit teacher is actually Brother Shobe's daughter. Really? And she is such a cool person. She she loves all my pictures of the kids on Facebook. She tells me she's proud of me all the time. She's a super great woman. And I hear this whole time, I'm like, that's probably his niece or something. Turns out it's his daughter. Did she just retire like a couple years ago? A few years back. Probably yeah. the best teacher he ever had. Yeah, that's right. She was the best teacher I ever had. Thanks. That was, that was a nice way to... You better say that, right? <laughs> Brother Jim, to, to you, uh, how and why did you get involved in Freemasonry? You know, it's kind of similar to what Dale said there. Uh, in 1958, a few months after I was married, uh, my brother Don was a Mason, 
My dad wasn't, no one else in the family was, but Don was, and I had lots of respect for him. He was about 16 years older than I. Oh, wow. And I just said to him, Don, uh, I'd like to be a Mason. How do I go about it? He said, you've done enough right there. <coughs> I said, I'll get you a petition. And uh, so I got a petition and was uh, raised in 1959. Oh, wow. I got a question for both of you, and you... You know, you both can answer. And here we are. I'm excited about this roundtable episode, our first Not one. Uh, why do you guys think nowadays with, with the, the advent of social media, everybody talks about masonry. You know, we got the whole to be one, ask one slogan that's mm. nationwide. But yeah. back then in, in your guys' era, in the 50s and the 60s, why wasn't that something that was talked about more? Why was it so kind of hush-hush about mm. You really had, which I mean, you still have to seek out somebody if you want to join now. But nowadays, you can literally go to like Freemasonry websites, and they'll put you in in contact with your. But why wasn't there so much of that back then? You know, why wasn't there people? Why wasn't so much talked about? You literally had to find out somebody that was a Mason. You know, I mean, I mean. Go ahead, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> you know, like, like I said, my dad never said anything about it. Uh, it was hush-hush. And I don't know why, uh, other than I guess you were expected to live uh, as a Mason, as a good person. And that would cause you to ask, I want to join that. Mm -hmm. Well, I think a lot of it is, you know, um, Guys guy didn't wear shirts to have Masonic rooms. They didn't wear hats to have Masonic rooms on. See a little lapel pin on their coat every once in a while. But I know uh, my dad always tells the story. My uh, my great-grandfather, who was um, on my mom's side, he, he was a Mason. They said he was one of those showy Masons. Had the big rings, the big giant belt buckle with square covers on it. Always had the pins out there. It always showed it off. But he was one of the guys who a lot of people asked. How do I join Freemasonry? That's how my dad got into it. That's how my grandpa got into it. And everything. I'm like, well, why aren't more guys doing that? Well, from my dad said, uh, my great-grandpa was kind of looked down upon a little bit because he did that. Because he wore the big belt buckles and the, the big rings. And we talked about this hands. on the way down here about, about clout. Right. You know. Well, not so much clout, but it's, I think he, he just wanted everybody to know that, hey, I'm a Mason. This is what I live for. This is what I do and everything. He was never an officer or anything in Lodge. I mean, as far as I know, I'm the only master that's ever been in my family. So, okay. But, I mean, back then it was just so hush-hush and, like, we just don't talk about that. How you well, you must that? remember that back in those days there wasn't Facebook. There wasn't True. those exactly. uh, kinds of uh, websites of communication. True. Uh, and, and you were taught that you did not go out and recruit Masons. Right. You, they had to ask you. And so, but practically in the little town of Owensville, the little town of Fort Branch, that I was, uh, almost every businessman was a Mason. Yeah. That's incredible. Well, that's how you, you, basically that's how you met people, that's how you got your friends, people have been you could trust. You knew that from being a lodge. What we're doing right now wouldn't have existed then. Oh no! Even even if they they had the technology to, to put it out there on the internet, if that had been a thing, that's not the point. The point being, sitting people down and talking about this would not have that would Outside not have flown. I would have yeah. not have flown anywhere. Where now, you know, we we talk about this on on the shows before. My, you know, I'm third generation Mason. 
my dad got his three degrees. He's a past master, and then he got busy with life. My dad is what I call a dues payer now. He's right. not an active member. My grandfather was where that this was our thing. But my dad, being 55 years old, which is still pretty young by today's standards, you know, I was I came along when they were 18 or 19, but my dad being 55 to this day is like, you can't have a Masonic podcast. He told me that when I told yeah. him. He goes, you can't talk about Freemasonry like that on, on the air. He goes, that's because you're going to get in trouble. And I'm like, let me show you the world of Masonic podcasting. Yeah. That's a real thing. There's hundreds the of The rule of there. thumb, and I have it in my converted diaper bag lodge book, my lodge bag now, is Riot's old diaper bag. The general rule of thumb across all 50 states, and probably overseas too, is probably whatever's in that little black book, you can talk about. Yeah, not every anything, state has that. Anything more. <laughs> right. So... Now, you didn't even know who was a Mason back then. No. My, my dad's brother was a Mason, and he lived across the alley from us. I didn't know he was a Mason. I knew my dad was, but I didn't know he was a Mason. That was my uncle. He was master of lodge at Greencastle. Or not Greencastle, at Knightsville. Oh, <laughs> And uh, well, that's the same lodge my dad was in, but I didn't, didn't even know, know it. Hmm. So... Brother Bill, Brother Jim, I'm, I'm so thank you guys so much for being with us today. I'm so happy that this God, this is gonna be like my peace de la resistance. I'm so happy about this episode. Uh, <laughs> what kept you both coming back? Because that's generally a question we ask on every episode. Mm-hmm. Some people get busy with life. Some people just want the title of a master mason. You don't see him anymore. But some guys crave more. And some guys come back and they get involved. And obviously, you guys have, or you wouldn't be sitting here with us, right? What kept both of you guys coming back? What kept you guys like, hey, I want more with this? Go ahead, Jim. <laughs> well, let me think a minute here. Just a second. Uh, when I went in 1959, I was very, very active. So active, in fact, that I moved up to be the master in 1962. That's a quick turnaround. Yeah, that's a quick yeah. turnaround, right. Then after that, uh, as I became more and more involved with my job at North High School, it became more and more difficult for me to uh, be as involved as I am now as I was then. So there was a big period of time there that uh, I would go to Lodge to give the middle chamber lecture uh, when invited and something like that. And, and, you know, in those days, too, they didn't visit other lodges like we do today. No. Um, most of the lodges were pretty much self-contained. You did everybody in that lodge, right. that kind of thing. And so then getting involved with so many events like that. Then when I retired, I had more time on my hand to do that. And I enjoyed ritual. I have a lot high respect for ritual. Enjoyed that. And so uh, since 2000, I've got back and, as you know, fairly active and I've seen you around a lot of places. What, and what did you teach in, at high school? I started out as a math teacher, then I was a counselor and assistant principal. In the last 18 years, I was principal at North High School. Oh, so you're one of those guys. Okay. Now, Brother Show, <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong, but you you're you were an educator too, right? I started I, out as a math teacher also, yeah. but I only lasted four years. <laughs> now, you're getting back to your original question of how I became active. I, I was not... I, uh, I told you I joined, it was 1967, at Lagodi Lodge, and Lagodi Lodge was very weak at the time. Uh, we had to call members on Lodge night 
to try to get enough members to open the lodge. Marriage. <laughs> and the first time I went back to the lodge after I was raised, I sat in the junior warden's chair because they needed somebody to sit there. Talk about being thrown into the get, get thrown right into the fire and right at there. The, at the election, I was elected junior warden. I'm not going through. I didn't know anything. Wow. And the next year, I was elected senior warden. And the next year, I was elected master. Wow. So in 67, I was raised. In 70, I was master of the lodge. I knew nothing. I look thought, at, look I, at thought the I would parallels between the, Look at the parallels between these two <laughs> stories, though. The quick... And, There's something to that. Yeah. And then the next year, the senior warden had some physical problems, so I was master second year. <laughs> so I was master two years and knew virtually nothing. Nothing, yeah. And then I got involved with my family, and uh, I started officiating high school mm -hmm. sports. In fact, I just retired a few years ago. But I started, and I, so I didn't go to the lodge very often. So, but you've been cussed at most of your career, haven't you? Yeah, I have. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, but I didn't go very often. I went to funerals and important events, but other than that, I was, I was like uh, Jim said, I was a dues payer mm -hmm. until I retired. And when I retired, I started going back. And uh, I had been to couple of Masonic funerals and I thought that funeral presentation was you know it was amazing so when I went back I told the secretary I'd like to learn that and he gave me a book and I learned it and I've given it a few times but when I gave him the book back he said what do you want now <laughs> and I said <laughs> no I said you'll learn something else he said why don't you do one of the charges yeah so he, so I learned the charge, and he said, "Okay, what do you want to do next?" So it it was just a progression. After that, as uh, I I started going back to the lodge regularly, I learned one thing, and then I learned another, and then I learned another, and uh, I got proficient in some of them. But since since I retired, basically, I've learned everything I know. Well, speaking of ritual, you two give. Oh, beautiful I, I, Bible presentation. I was finding a way to segue that yeah. since you brought it up. I mean, uh, I've, I've seen it done where they they add parts to it, where they add the master's hand and with the violin. I even see the bridge builder being thrown there. But you two throw a whole new twist onto it that I think makes it one of the most beautiful presentations in all of Freemasonry. And it, the one part I'll kind of spoil it for everybody. I heard Jim do it the first time with what the first six words that you utter in the Masonic lodges. I am in God, I am light. Which, if if you really think about it, is one of the most just beautiful phrases that you can ever say. You know, I am I am in God, I am light. Which God is the light and everything, we all know that. But to me, I mean, I never, 22 years of being amazing, never made that connection, ever. And I saw Brother Jim Sharp give that uh, presentation one night. Harold Huffman. Did the Bible presentation on my master mason degree? That was February 29th, 08. I just got over the flu. I had, had I had never been that sick to this day. I've never been that sick <laughs> in my life like I what I was five days before that, and I finally cleared up about two days beforehand. And uh, I just I'll never forget that. And I was just 
by this point you done been through two degrees and mm -hmm. you you've learned your questions and answers and you've learned some things you're starting to learn some stuff you go and see other degrees that you're currently on or beforehand and i will never forget just uh, he was obviously 15 years younger than he is now yeah. <laughs> he looked really young then compared to what brother harold looks like now uh just the the conviction in which he delivered that and if he missed the work which after years and years of seeing more i later learned he never missed a beat but no <laughs> if he would have missed a word that night brother i would have never i would have never known he delivered it mm -hmm. so far and i'm like this is one of the most beautiful things i've ever seen well then i came back after you know being away i seen brother bill do and before i went away and you know i i watched brother sharp do it once or twice and it's just like if there's an award out there in the state of Indiana and Freemasonry for Bible presentations, they got it. it's like these three guys are going to win it every year. Everybody else can just close up shop. It's game over. Yeah, like, and I've I've never seen the way you guys do it. I, mean, I was up in Central Indiana, you know, all those years, and I've seen guys do it. And the guy who gave me mine just did it. Or apparently, how the book says to do it. You know, no big deal. But he did. He did a great job at it, and it's profound. Getting my Bible, I still carry my Bible with me today. Everywhere I go, but it's just when you guys did it, it was the way you get them involved into it, the way well, it's wanna, active, the way it's you know. I want to ask you about that, brother Jim and brother Harold. I'll, uh, brother Bill, I'll ask you about. It. I said brother Harold, sorry, Harold. Brother Bill, I'll get back to you in a second. <laughs> brother Jim, what made you? Uh, I guess what I'm. How did you decide to come up with doing the Bible presentation the way you do it? Because you do the whole thing, you do a prayer with like you what. How did you decide? Okay, I'm going to go about doing this pizza ritual. I'm going to I'm going to master this pizza ritual. How did you kind of put that all together? You first have to remember I'm a, I'm a ham. You okay. are a little bit of a ham. I'll give you that. I, right. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say you kind of. All right, I'll give you a little. Time. I'll give you a little laugh on that. <laughs> okay. To the people who uh, most influenced me, I heard that question a while ago. Oh yeah, we asked was that one. R. Frank Williams, who was a uh, kind of a legend down in the Southern Indiana and uh, masonry, and uh, he did a Bible presentation. And I think part of it may come from Kentucky. And then there was a guy by the name of Sean Kniff, who was uh, another legend at Oakland City who did uh, a Bible presentation. In fact, he he did far more than what I do. There's two poems that really go into that lecture you can give. One of them is the Master's Touch. Yes. One of them is the Builder. I did the Master's Touch for a while. Uh, Sean Kniff did it all, and somebody told him it was too long, that uh, he should uh, <laughs> cut that down. And Sean Kniff said, uh, if they don't want to hear it all, they can leave. Um, <laughs> I, I, that's what I'm at. That's that's I that's, like, a, I like that's a Mason. I want to be around right, right there. <laughs> so Sean continued to give the whole thing. Well, I I thought it was a little bit too long. Also, I did the master's touch for a while, and with the use of a violin and the whole thing. Oh, you break, and, you had the violin. Uh, yes, I had the violin, and we auctioned it off and all oh, that yeah. kind of thing. I see that. And uh, but I did think it was a little bit too long. So I I. Uh, um, somebody in Petersburg the other night asked me about where I got that, and and so I really kind of cut and pasted some of what Frank did, what he did. The seven uh, words that uh, you alluded to came out of a lodge in Michigan, uh, and uh, so just putting all that together, 
it's it's obviously one of my favorite lectures and and uh, like I say, I'm a ham. I enjoy it. You do a wonderful job. At it. I, I really never, do. just like Todd said, I never ever thought about it like that until you did. And then I'm sitting there, and I just look up, and I have like, I normally already have a dumb look on my face, anyways. But I was really like, that's true. Like jaw open, <laughs> like because you can see it. The gears turn your head, like, like that's true like you never put it like that well i was on a, a tiktok live one time and i uh you guys were talking about the bible presentation and everything and i said we have a guy down in southern indiana he adds this part to it and i said to you know i am a guy and they're like and one guy he said i've been a past master for, for 24 years i never put that together I said, i've been here 22 years i never put that together i said but it just it it struck me, I mean, so much with you see guys with tattoos right here. I thought like you got tattooed on my arm or something like that, because it just it makes that much sense to me. Brother Bill, let's let's talk about you and and you do a phenomenal presentation too. Sometimes very much similar to to what brother brother Jim does. How did you how did you decide like you know this is going to be the one that you kind of hang your hat on? Like again, I'm not saying neither. Neither one of you brothers don't do other pieces of ritual beautiful because you do, but you just both oh, kind of been linked to these Bible presentations. So, Brother Bill, how did you kind of decide that was going to be the one you hang your hat on? Well, uh, of course, I'm probably like Jim. I first learned what's in the book. Right. But as you travel around to different lodges, you hear different things, and we steal things, or, or maybe we just borrow things. Borrow, things. borrow. So we, yeah, we'll borrow from each mm. other. And I was at a lodge at Stanford. Indiana was up near Bloomington. Okay. Okay. And there was an old, an old guy in there that gave the Bible presentation, and he had the uh, poem about the bridge and the and the old old violin. Mm -hmm. And I thought that's really impressive. And and also he had a prayer, and so I asked him if I could if I could use those, and he sent them to me, and I changed it around a little bit. I thought I, he had the prayer at the front. I moved it. To the right, center, right, and and I put the the one with the bridge and the violin in places where I thought they fit, and so I borrowed that from someone, and uh, it it worked out well, and I've done it a few times, and then of course I heard Jim do the one about uh, it is in God I'm right. right. So I asked him if I could use that, <laughs> and, and he graciously said sure. <laughs> I uh, I attended a master mason degree uh, either no it wasn't French like it was Paoli it was sometime in Paoli last year in 2022 and uh, I went with uh, a guy from Line Lodge in Jasper one of the other lodges in Du Bois County we rode together and they was taking their newest master mason along and we went up there and uh, you did the Bible presentation on that degree and uh, he was their newest brother was sitting in between me and his brother from Line Lodge. And he looked at me and he goes, my presentation wasn't like that the other <laughs> night. I said, no. I said, uh, I said Brother Bill's kind of got his own flair on it. I said, he's kind of known for not just good ritual, but for a good Bible presentation. He's like, that's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. He goes, one of these days I'm going to give that lecture. And I'm like, have well, I mean, I'm not a member of, of, of your lodge, but we're all brothers. I'm like, yeah. I'm sure if you can learn a Bible presentation, they'll love it. And if you can learn from, you know, one of the 
one of the greats that do it, like Brother Jim or Brother Bill, like I'm sure they would be flattered. And he's like, I just love the way he did that. He, you know, there was a prayer and and he said, the, you know, did you ever know that the first words you uttered, it all fall? He was, you just blew this young man's mind who had only a month before had taken his only ma his master mason degree. Well, and and with what Jim does with the, it is in God I'm light. Uh, I borrowed that from him mm -hmm. and I've used it. And of course, I changed that a little bit too. <laughs> you always had your own flair to it, but oh, yeah. you borrow things from each other. And uh, well, uh, Brother Bill, since Jim kind of already hit on it a few minutes ago, we'll segue to you. Uh, you know, the question we ask a lot of people, and you you was sitting in here earlier when we were talking to Brother Neil Ward from Vincennes. Uh, who were some of the Masons that's that really kind of helped you? become the mason you are i mean we've all got them mentors but who's some of the people that really had a strong influence on you well uh like i said probably the the main influence was my dad even though right. he, he didn't naturally, <laughs> he didn't naturally. Ask me. but uh there were a couple guys at lagodi when i first started uh i can't remember the names anymore i've got so old <laughs> but they uh the secretary was influential and uh, then when I went to when Little Goated Lodge closed down and we merged with White River at Shoals uh, Keith Albright who was the secretary there and was secretary for like 32 years he's still around and he's still around he still travels with us once in a while yeah but uh, Keith Albright was influential and uh, uh, Bob uh, from Lagodi, I can't think of his name. He did the staircase lecture for me. That was very impressive. Do do either of you? Uh, I mean, well, we've all got favorite parts of ritual, but obviously, besides the Bible lecture, that which I link you two so close together because of that. But what are some of each of yours other favorite pieces of ritual? In Blue Lodge and. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Scratch the surface on anything else, we're yeah, still in blue lost. <laughs> but other favorite pieces of ritual? Jim? Well, obviously the Sterilex is a favorite. Yeah. Favorite of mine, and uh, it is a kind of a long lecture. But you know, I, I have such high respect. I, I, don't, I wish I knew more of the history of how the ritual came about. But I have such high respect for the for the ritual. Uh, good ritual really flows well. Mm -hmm. it, uh, it, it, it's easier to learn. And the stare lecture is one of those that I found to be that way. I think it really flows well. I think it's fair, fairly easy to learn. Uh, says the you. <laughs> the uh, it. Um, short version, uh, I don't know. I don't whoever like <laughs> whoever wrote that and whoever may be listening to this but I would say to them it doesn't flow well it's no. very chopped up it doesn't get across the kind of meaning that I think should get across to uh, the it's, candidate and that's what I said earlier it's kind of abrupt I, I think I mean I, I get it because sometimes you you may and this is not a slide against any Mason sometimes you may have a brother who is not that well versed in his ritual work so the shortened stair lecture exists to help them. 
you still you still get there. You just miss a lot of it. And I just, in, in my personal opinion, if you if you're gonna have the stair lecture, yeah. you're gonna have the stair lecture. Well, I think they they authorized that just so because I mean the the fellow card degree isn't that long to begin with. I mean it's not the EA, it's not the master mason degree, and there, there's no second third lecture to it. It's just you know, you know stair lecture, layer G charge. And then crossfire, you're done. I mean, why would you want to make it any shorter of a night? I mean, if you don't want to be there, leave, in my opinion. You see, one, one of the concerns I have about masonry is the uh, lack of people learning ritual at this point. Were people smarter back in 1959 and 60 than they are now? Because they, in our lodge, a little small lodge, they knew the whole whole exactly. thing you didn't have right. to go out to, and and now you know you're getting down you think about the number of people in this area that do the long version of the stair lecture and it's fairly limited you think about the number of people who do the second slide in each of the each entered apprentice and uh, it's Master fairly yeah. fairly small i really see someday that some of those lectures are going to be on video by the wayside or just on video yeah, and I hate to see that too. Me too. And, and Big time. I, I, was, I feel the same way about the staircase lecture. Uh, I learned it the long way, and when I hear it the other way, there's so much of it that's left out. But but if I can uh, change the subject a little bit. Go for it. Absolutely. Related, it's related. But I also do not like the one-day class. I <laughs> see. I am not the only one. No offense, no, but I am no, not the no, only no. one. I say there's a lot of people who don't like it. I feel that every I man should have the opportunity to go through that on his own. We, oh, we, we've had this debate. We don't disagree at a lot on the show, but we've had this debate pop up several episodes where it's like, okay, I get the point behind it, but you're you're missing so much. Yeah. You're yeah, missing you're, so you're much. You're not getting that mentorship through that i don't believe i mean even if the guy said well i went back and i learned all with the guy then and said yeah but when you don't know what's coming next and you're learning it's totally different than what you already know and then you're relearning i will i will i will <laughs> give everybody listening especially not only those in the room but all those here in this two weeks later uh grandmaster brindley yeah has expressed that he's a fan of the show he checks out the show doesn't check out every episode he checks Thank out God. every he checks out like every three to four episodes you know somebody told him about it he found the show back oh, in the I summer about it yeah he is a big proponent of mm. isn't he a big proponent of the one day classes yeah yeah and which i told todd i said you know normally when use baseball reference love baseball mm -hmm. you know sometimes we paint the corner where the pitch is instead of throwing a 95 mile an hour right down the center of the plate if he gets on here i'm going to ask him about the one day classes <laughs> we'll see we'll see what we'll see what he does under well, pressure here well i guess yeah. if he listens to this one i'm in big trouble no 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 no, no, no. <laughs> It's, but, but I feel like every man should have the opportunity yes. to experience that. I agree wholeheartedly. Now, and the, you but don't the lot out there who could do the work, and just, well, let's just go ahead and give them your one day class to having a preparing a meal, inviting everybody, stuff like that. I see some lodges do that, where they just don't want to do the work. They don't want to take time. They want his money, but they don't want to put time into making his man a mason. I've seen lodges do that. And that's where I disagree with it. Now, a man who says working second shift or third shift, whatever, can't make it to the lodge meeting. Like that guy, he wants to be a mason. He wants to live by the principles of be a mason. 
Okay, that I can kind of see. I don't like it, but there is daylight lodges. There'll be more daylight lodges, in my opinion, for that exact. I still want to come down there to, to daylight for a meeting. I know there's nothing different yeah. about it. It's just there the concept of it being <laughs> for the night. I, I just find that it fascinating. Like the town of Kokomo, where I was around, had no daylight lodge. The factory ran 24-7. And most guys who join lodge, either young men, starting off at Chrysler, Delco, whatever plant up you there. You start on night shift because it's no, seniority. They, they start on day shift first for like the first 90 days. Well, then they, you know, they're making good money. They join lodge, and the next thing they do, they're on second or third shift, and never go back to lodge again. Yeah. You know, there should be every big city, like even like like Evansville, uh, Cookville, Indianapolis, Fort Wayne, South Bend, should have a daylight lodge. The Grand Lodge should make sure there's a daylight lodge for any man who wants to be a mason to be able to be active in that lodge. Now, will it ever be passed? Probably not. But you know. I want to circle back real fast. Go ahead, and we'll. You know, mark chapter, radio production tape will mark this chapter. Don't talk your big words around us. <laughs> Something Brother Sharp hit on, and, and I want both your guys' opinion. And I, you know, pound my fist into my hand. I should have asked Brother Neil Ward about this earlier when we had him on. Well, he's still here. <laughs> he's still here. He's just not part of this episode. <laughs> I mean, I guess officially he can be. The mics pick up across the room, That's but. Him. You know, what you were talking about, about, you know, people's not learning as much ritual and you're concerned. But here we have so many years of experience sitting at this table compared to us. Where do, you, where do you guys, <laughs> where do you guys think the state of Freemasonry is? Not just here in the Hoosier state, but across the world with, you know, as we progress more and more into a social media driven age and more technology and more people not interested in things that were interesting 50 years ago where do you think the future is headed for freemasonry and as far as people be becoming really pure ritualists and 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 membership numbers and just an opinion of brothers talking to brothers what, are, what do you guys think about that before i get to that i want to circle back to what you can said. circle wherever okay. you want to go brother sharp <laughs> i want to support that. Right you know, is, there, is there not a phrase somewhere along the way I will not cheat wrong or defraud a brother. Yes. And that's what I think happens when we don't give the brother the full experience. Uh, I can see and, that, yeah. And that's, that's my biggest objection. I think there is a place for the, for the one-day class. I think there are exceptions when you could do that. Right. But it's not to get 35 people in there who could... Who have no disability or thing like that. The I, think, I think we're doing them wrong. Okay. The statistics show that 50% of the guys who go through a one day class are active in their lodge and go back and, be, and become an officer. 50% don't. But it's also the same way going through a traditional right. way. 50% go on to be an officer, 50% don't. So there's really an argument for and against it at the same time. But I mean, I'm amazed at that. Yeah, statistics show that. Yeah, it, 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 that now that was back in <laughs> now, 2006, 2008, when that was talked about our Founders right. Day. And I actually had lunch with the guy who gave that presentation that day. And I was like, where'd you get all these statistics from? I said, no, I just got to, went to the Grand Lodge and found out who went one day who went traditional and just did the math. I'm like, wow, you're smarter than I am. I got more yeah. patience than I got. That, that would, I, don't, I don't see that in my experience. In right this away. area, right? Yeah, you know? but he he did the whole right. entire yeah. state. Right. right. But and even um, I know a couple buddies, my Kokomo, uh, his one guy though, his dad went through a one day class because all he wanted to be was a grotto mason. He never wanted to go back to Blue Lodge. Ended up once he went through one day, his son went through traditional, 
and he saw that and then he went back and became a master of his lodge yeah. and everything but so it does happen now whether it happens in Vincennes or bird's eye or jasper what have you but but for, you for getting those statistics the thing that bothers me is they miss so much oh yes i mean they're sitting on the sideline and and you know they're yeah, they looking never, at their phone or they're thinking yeah, about something they've else. never been hoodwinked they never yeah. they never took the 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 circumnavigation around the altar and everything I mean, back to, back I'm to your glad question. I did it the traditional right. way. Back to your question. I am concerned, but I try not to be an old man who it didn't like it used to be in this right. kind of thing. But I am concerned about the lack of people working on ritual. I believe that everybody, I, I believe there are people who cannot do ritual. There are some, yes. I believe there are a lot more people who can do more than what they do mm -hmm. but they don't put the effort and the time into it That's and that does concern me and it concerns me as I, as I as i said i i really see the the second slide of each of those degrees yeah. ending up being uh video or recording some, some form like that and, and i need to i don't know i'm real bad but i mean i'm real good from the east i mean i've done raising i've done the layer g to charge but once I got away from Lodge, I you know, started a family and everything, moving to Southern Indiana. I wasn't active at all for about almost 10 years. But I always tell myself, man, I want to learn how to do that. But you get home at night from work sometimes, and if I bring my little books out, my son is right on my lap. And, well, he wants to play with them. He wants to, oh, it's a book my size, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. So it's really hard to, and once they go to bed, I'm ready to go to bed because it's been a long day. But You know, I rarely drive anywhere like today coming up here and going home that I don't do ritual. Oh, really? That's yeah. right. That, and that's how I learned my that's driving. Right. Mm. I, and, and I would start out with one sentence. Yeah. Whatever I was working on, I'd start out with the first sentence, and I'd go over it and over it and over it until I thought I had it. Then I'd go to the next, next sentence. One, yeah. And I'd go over it and go over it until I had, I had I it. I never thought about trying to do it that way. Oh, yeah. just, that just dawned on me just now. Well, well then I, I would try to put the two together. And, of course, by that time I forgot the first <laughs> one. Right. But, but you, you go over it and over it and over it one at a time. And that's why I was, I'm always better at the first part of a lecture than I am at the last. Right. Because well, I've gone over absolutely. it a lot more times. Yeah, I, learned, I learned my uh, crossfires uh, basically by myself. My dad said he could be a mentor. Well, he's a Missouri Mason. I'm an Indiana Mason. The the workers didn't really jive up. They were close, but not the same. So to be perfectly blunt about it, and I know it's against the rules, he gave me that look to the East book. and rubber band off. That's part of it. Don't go past the rubber band. And I sat in his in his wood shop in the back part of our house. And that's back when I smoked. And I smoked <laughs> back of cigarettes tonight, walking back and forth, memorizing that. And that's how I learned my catechism. But once I, once you learn those. You could pretty much do every part of their chairs, any any one of them. And see, and, and, but and I just I can't get back in that mode anymore. To, this is how the stair lecture is. So I think fairly easy to learn because it is broken down in paragraphs. Yes, very easy that you learn a paragraph. And I be like, I can do the first part of it a lot better than I can do the last <laughs> seven <laughs> because I've gone here and then back and gone yeah. here and then back in this kind of thing. fun True. fact for anybody listening. The state of Indiana has not updated their monitor since 1997. Right. That has now been 26 years ago. True. When I got raised on 229 of 08. 26? Wow. Uh, That's cool, wow. <laughs> when I got raised, 
my original monitor I've retired because my grandfather pumped <laughs> me on trying to learn the stair lecture. Yeah. I eventually went back to night shift after five. I gave up on it, but I could not. I learned the first two pages, so my monitor was just destroyed. It was falling apart. So I I re, I, I retired it. When I lost my grandfather uh, two years ago, next month, yeah, you carry his ring. I carry. I, I got a new monitor when I went back to lodge to thank everybody for letting me play senior deacon at his Masonic services. They gave me a new monitor. Well, when my dad found out I was going back to lodge, he gave me my grandfather's monitor, so I carry it in my bag. That one was released in 1975 or 70, whatever whatever the year was in the, in the 70s decade, they released that monitor, seven, right. somewhere between 75, 77, whatever it was. So I carry that with me now because it's like every time I go in lodge, he's still sitting right there with me. Absolutely. There's a lot less content in there yeah. that I miss out. The everyone's favorite alternate charge the uh the one that so many people do that, your book yeah, yeah I don't, that, I don't that care is for that, that one is not in there uh it's missing a lot of stuff but it's just like this is my way of having him in a, in a weird way mm-hmm. we all cope in weird ways it's like he's sitting with me every time i open that book because that was his original book that he got when he was raised so well, if we're talking about the monitor you know uh Again, you, you, you learned the funeral lecture from a separate book and everything. I've always thought the the monitor should have the funeral lecture in it. Attention, Grand Lodge officers that listen to this show. <laughs> this is the second time in three months I have called you out. We need an updated monitor. It's 26 years old. <laughs> but, you know, there's, there's a lot of good information in that monitor. Don't get me wrong. But I still think that the the funeral, one of the funeral lectures, whether it be in the, you want to do it in the gravesite, the one you do it at the funeral home or wherever, should be in that monitor somewhere. And I will say again, the most beautiful apron in masonry is the saddest apron because them black trim <laughs> yeah. funeral aprons are absolutely gorgeous. Unfortunately, it's the most somber of times. Well, yeah, I've never seen those before either. Phil's got one. Most and he's, and my God, them. it's beautiful. And I'm like, oh, yeah. that is the most depressing and beautiful thing I've seen all at once. <laughs> yeah, most lodges don't have those. My, well, lodge, my lodge had white aprons, that's all I had. Going back to your question about where masonry is going. <laughs> we're all over the place in this one. That's okay. I love it. Organized <laughs> chaos. I feel like we're going to a hole because, like Jim said, nobody's learning the ritual anymore. So it's going to uh, films or Whatever. videos, yeah. you know, and, and I think that's a mistake. And, and also with social media, uh, there are so many things that people do that take take time their time more. that they don't care about masonry anymore. They, it's the same way with the church. Yeah, the church attendance is dropping because of the same reasons, and and uh, I think it's sad. I think I don't know how we answer that. I don't know how we get people to learn the ritual and how we get people to attend the meetings. Well, I mean, I know. we've got in our lodge. We've got like a hundred and sixty-seven members, and when we have our stated meeting, we have maybe fifteen. Yeah, well, that's good. That's good. Turn out really. I seen a, a brother on Facebook. Uh, we have a we have a lot of on our that other Masonic Facebook page. We follow other Masonic podcasts, pages, yeah, yeah, and podcasts and whatnot. One of the Masonic pages that we follow in our on our Facebook page shared something four or five months ago about uh which a lot of lodges across the state are doing this but what they did uh it was a it's a page and they said their lodge was somewhere out 
west of Kansas. I don't know if it was in the Colorado or where it was just mm-hmm. western Kansas. What they did in their small town of like two, three thousand people, uh, they said their attendance increased by like fifteen or twenty percent because they did something that a lot of lodgers are doing now and simply they said a lot of their members don't want to come to meetings anymore because they don't want to sit there and talk about the meetings, the minutes from the previous mm-hmm. meeting. And they don't want to have to go through all these bills, so they appointed one a bill committee, which we we instituted this well, we past get, year. We got the executive committee to, to take care of all the bills, and then they started putting all their minutes into a PDF. a private PDF file that will be emailed to the members of their lodge. And they said once the guys found out they didn't have to sit through, you know, thirty minutes of should we pay the water bill this month or should we not, or they didn't want to have to sit through yeah. forty five minutes of talking about the previous meeting where they. They talked about, for say, raising dues fifteen dollars. Yeah. They said their membership went up ten percent over the next six meetings because people were coming back. Well, and the biggest thing is, guys want to go there and have a good time. I mean, guys aren't going to go sit there to a boring meeting. Am I right? I mean, anytime you go to a meeting, you want to be able to learn something because what's the first thing what's, you talk about? What, what, what cut me here to do? Learn to prove myself a mason. What have me and you started doing the last four or five monthly meetings? What do we do at the end of either you or me? One we, of us we talk we about alternate. education. We do some we do something worth of five minutes of Masonic education. And usually some of the old guys are grumbling, "Hey, your time get out of here. We time to wrap this up." But you know, I'm not there to pay the bills and go home. I'm there to learn more about Freemasonry every time I go to lodge. And it drives me crazy when they get there. Okay, pay the bills, pay this, and then they're getting ready to close. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. We got lodge education. We got fi- we got the uh, masters. Uh, we got to talk about the charities. We got to talk about all this stuff. Well, guys, I don't think they care about that. And again, anymore. we're not crapping on our lodge. It's not just no, our lodge. I, it's a lot it's, of it's some people want to get in and out in forty five minutes, and it's like, okay, you want to know why people aren't coming back? Maybe in and out in forty five <laughs> minutes, they're like, I'm not getting nothing out of this. Why do I need to be here? And it, you know, it, there's no fellowship after the meeting yeah they have they may have a meal before the meeting but they don't have anything afterwards hey we're not gonna there's no dessert we're not hey we're gonna play cards or hey we're gonna have a bunch of us are gonna walk down the alley to go to the bar down here you want to go or something like that but i like to think down there at evansville and down around that fort branch and that newburgh area and down there i bet i'm not saying it's perfect but i bet Hmm. those bigger those bigger areas maybe not so much having those attendance problems mm, I don't know. and I don't you see you see like lessing's facebook page and and you know brother jim talked about daylight you see a lot of these places there's constantly younger members coming in mm. all the time at these places but also the guys want stuff to do outside the lodge too they want to go to ball games they want to go on trips they want to like my, my my former lodge and i'll brag about them to the cows come home they do canoe trips a lot. They go down to the Indianapolis Indians games as a lodge, or uh, they do they, they do a big old golf outing every year and raise all their money for a scholarship fund. But their scholarship funds are a big thing of the year. They they push that real hard to raise money for that scholarship, and that that brings a lot of guys in there because they want their kids to get that scholarship. It's like a three thousand dollars scholarship to give away, which helps out tremendously. But it's also the last day of Maine I went to of theirs, they tried to wrap it up 45 minutes. Well, since I was there, I had to talk for a good 35, 40 just to keep them in there for a while. You know, talking about the Oklahoma degree team, talking about how proud I am of them, where they where they started, where they're at now and everything. And But like, a lot of guys, they, they like that 45 minutes in and out. Me, I don't. I want some debate. I want some discussion. That's what I want. As a, as a Mason, when I go to lodge, I want, to, I want someone to teach me something and I want to teach somebody. 
And I think that, that would increase if guys would come there with that that point of view. I think lodges would increase their attendance quite a bit. You know, hey, I'm going here to learn more about masonry and learn more about me as a man. To learn, okay, why do we do this? Why do we do that? Or what is this part of ritual supposed to represent? I mean, we had uh, an episode about three ruffians. I never put, I never seen that point of view of it. Available now in our archives, wherever you get your <laughs> that other Masonic podcast from. But I just, I wish more lodges would do that. I'm trying our lodge to do it, but to this day, they want to go home. <laughs> to this day, that was wrapping up close to the end of season two. Probably my favorite episode I've yeah. ever done because. Uh, we and you both came away after that episode. Like I never thought about the ruffian, and you were worried we were going to come under fire from Grand oh, yeah. Lodge. I about thought Grand Lodge was going to pull these cards. And yet, Grand Lodge come. Some of the Grand Lodge people like that's probably the best episode you guys have done yet. Yeah, I never heard that, so, but I also tell you somebody later. you can't talk about that. Like sorry, we didn't we didn't mention anything we shouldn't. <laughs> it's true, but they're not supposed to know about the ruffians either. Speaking of speaking of proud moments, let's make another segue here uh both of them i just I, I'm, I'm so in love with this format this is this is we're we're learning we've never done we are, a round we table. We're, we're learning we're learning all right over the years and your guys's masonic journey i'm sure there's been a lot of moments both of you guys have been awful proud of some things you've got to participate in or witness i should have asked neil this why didn't i think of that uh what's it's some of the here. what's some of the uh the moments and, and things that you guys have been most proud of as being mason some of the the cool things you've got to be a part of. Either one of you, don't matter. I, I just think it's uh, doing the ritual. Doing ritual? Yeah, I, I love doing the ritual. You know, when I visit other lodges, most of the time I don't know if I'm going to do anything or not, and I'm happy to sit on the sideline, but mm -hmm. uh, a lot of the lodges need help anymore mm -hmm. because nobody's learning the ritual. and, and uh, I enjoy it. it. Normally, when I'm going to visit a lodge, whatever degree it's on, when I start out, I start at the beginning of the ritual for that, you know, with the, I don't do the opening because I know I'm not going to open the lodge, right. but, but from the start of the degree work, I start at the top and try to get all the way through it before I get there. I don't always That's make it. It's, it's the same thing as starting with one sentence at a time. I'm better right. at the first than I am at the last. <laughs> but uh, I enjoy doing the ritual. Brother Jim, what about you? Likewise. I enjoy seeing candidates raised. I enjoy mm -hmm. uh, one, one particular time at Four Branch, we had three brothers at the same time. And that was a, kind of a special moment for us. That's and, fantastic. Uh, there's been others like that, but yeah, I'm I'm kind of like Brother Bill here, and uh, I don't travel to go see a degree. I travel to go work a degree. Now I will say that comes with a caveat. Uh, I am not as proficient in the Master Mason degree because I just I don't like to do anything in the Master Mason degree because that whole degree from start to finish. It's such a beautiful thing. It's so rich in symbolism. I like to just be somebody that can sit there and just watch that. Appreciate it, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, you talk, you talk about entered apprentice or fellow craft. I am always down to do questions and answers or play a senior deacon role or, you know, give a charge or the working tools. But as far as the master mason degree goes, unless they're in dire need of somebody that only has to speak a couple of parts, I would rather just sit there and take that whole degree in. Well, one of the things that, you know, 
I don't go to the lodge to do work, but I do like Bill. I prepare in case I'm asked. Mm -hmm. But I want those people in that lodge to do the work. I, the Bible presentation, for example, that's really a special kind of presentation. If there's somebody in that lodge can do that Bible presentation and he knows that candidate, then I think that's who they ought to, they ought to go to. Well, right. I know. 100%, yeah. And uh, so there's several, and, and if I get there and I'm not asked to do anything, that's perfect. But you guys have both sat in lodge with me a lot since I've came back in the last two years. And if Jackie Ash is there and I'm there 90% of the time, if it's an inner depressor or fellcraft, it's me and Jackie Ash right. doing the question and answers. Bill, you've seen me do it. Jim, you've seen me do it with him. Todd, you know. Mm -hmm. that's, that's my favorite thing to do, my favorite piece of ritual to do at all is the questions and answers i don't know what it is i think it's yeah. just i think it's just because but of the, how much it's the first thing you learned well i think it's because of how much I, time i spent like like i said earlier when we were when we were downstairs Paul. you know me and my dad if i'd mess up he'd just be like keep going well my dad's dad my papa if i messed up brother we're going all the way to the back <laughs> i could be one word away from being done nope you're going all the way back to the front <laughs> so after three or four times it'd be like okay i can't mess up because i don't want to go through it all the way back from the front but I like doing that, and then uh, the charges. The charges are so they're so important, so important, and I love working they're on over, those. I think yeah. they're overlooked quite a bit. Well, I feel like if, if I'm going to a lodge, they've got members in there. Uh, normally, there are some members who do the ritual, and and they enjoy doing it. So I feel like they should do it in their lodge. But if I'm there, they need someone to fill a part i'm willing to fill another part but i feel like the local people ought to do it first just like jim said if there's a guy that does the bible he should do it i will tell you this a, a sweet a sweet i'm gonna i'm gonna use the term old here instead of experience this time okay. so you guys can kick my butt after we go off air but sure a sweet old man like bill show we've seen him at french lick a time or two be a ruffian oh, you yeah. think of a sweet old man like that being a ruffian boy it's uh <laughs> It's just something you don't expect. But well, you know, just go, to throw that in there. Going back to doing work at other lodges, you know, as I was coming up through the chairs, we had a an old past master in my lodge. Not old, but we did the old, you know, older past master. And if you if he was master and he was setting the work at night, if you weren't the first one there, here we go. You weren't doing the work. And I'm like, damn it, Don, I want to do that tonight. <laughs> he goes, listen, Masons were were paid to travel and work. If that guy travels all the way down here, I'm going to put him to work. I'm like, okay, I guess I kind of see your point. <laughs> but it, it, it does, it's, it gets guys to come visit more, and you get your bigger crowds for the candidate and everything. I get that. But even when I was master, I told my guy, to say, if you want to do a part, you better tell me a day ahead because I'm going to, as soon as someone shows up, I know who can do it, I'm going to get to them because those guys traveled to this lodge, and if they want to do it, I'm going to let them do it. I said, Mason should travel to work. If you want to do that part, travel there and lodge and go work there. I mean, that's part of it. And I got <laughs> a lot of dirty looks in here, man. Right over the coals. <laughs> oh, yeah. But that's how, I mean, that's how I learned how to do the work. I'd show up, and that same past master would go, he could do whatever you want, even though I couldn't. First time I walked into a, a Nathalie Lodge at, at Kokomo, that man could do the uh, Fellcraft uh, Larry G. I never even never tried it before. But sure enough, before we got done, I, I learned enough of it where I could start my way through it. But it's like, would you quit doing that? He said, you better learn it because I'm going to keep doing it. So Did I learned all my ritual just a 
because I was scared that I was going to have to do it. It's like, damn it, Don, quit doing this to me. Fear fear's a great motivator. It's spiders, too. <laughs> <laughs> but you said, Todd, if you came to my lodge and I had the cast full of people who have practice and work to do that that night, oh, yeah. I would, even though you'd traveled a thousand miles, I'm not interested in having you take their place that it, you know, it, is, okay. it is a different aspect up there no. too we everybody knew what everybody could do stuff like yeah. that i mean it was just in fact a new young guy coming in there but you know like i say i knew guys who could do certain parts and the guys who were on my uh ritual team it, if it was just a chair or something like that you're like hey i'm gonna be senior deacon tonight well i've already given that job to so-and-so because he asked before you did but i'm an officer here yeah but you go do his lot next week you know, just you just got Charles Beard to go do it. Four Branch, by the way, it's a, it's it's, a, it's a beautiful aspect. it's a beautiful lodge. We're, I was fascinated with that pole barn concept. That's what it. There's a lot of lodges it, like that. It, it it's beautiful though. There, it's set up perfect. And my favorite thing, because you and I have beat this joke to death since we started the show. People go, "What do you guys do as Freemasons?" Oh, we ride the goat around the room. So I tell everybody we ride the goat around the room. That's what I they ask. What we do. What was out at the front of oh, Fort Branch Lodge a, when we got there that night? They had there was the leash goat. for the goat. There was the bowl of goat food in the water. And I had to take a picture of that, and I sent that to my dad. And my dad almost died when he opened that. Yeah, whose idea was that? That was a good one. I just, oh, man. I did like that I, one. I remember uh, one of the, the, the junior deacon for, uh, for Fort Branch. I can't remember his name now. Super nice guy. He goes, yeah, we thought that'd be funny. He goes, we actually got the goat around the back of the lodge right now. We're giving it a bath. You want to come see it? And I'm just like, no. Sure. <laughs> but no. <laughs> so That joke is so played out. I just, I'm tired of hearing that joke. <laughs> uh, well. well, where are we at here? I don't know. We're fins ends, but I know, man. I'm just, this is such a, such a great day. Uh, I'm trying to think what else to ask you guys because there's a wealth of knowledge here. I know that. Um, well, let me talk about what other opinion bodies you guys belong to. I mean, we also know uh, Brother Sharp to Member Scott Shride. Are you in York Rite also? Yes. Okay, have you been, uh, what all have you done in, in the York Rite? Mm, not as much involved in York Rite. I've done and tried to do uh, a few uh, lectures and that kind of thing. More in Scottish Rite. Right. And they got Evansville Valley, right? Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. I've done a part in the 15th degree that I've been proud of again because I like to be a ham as a part of Zerubbabel, which is a oh uh, yeah really really good part to get your teeth into. I've that's done a, that for many many years. That's building a second temple, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Kinda, you know, the problem is I've kind of I've kind of outgrown that that. Uh, He's supposed to be a 40-year-old warrior, and it's kind of hard for an 87-year-old man to, to portray that. Yes. Yeah. Well, how about you, Brother Bill? Do uh, I belong to the Scottish Rite. That's all. That's all. Which, which valley? Valley of George Rogers Clark. That's the Evansville Valley? No, that's the uh, Cordon. Okay, so, so when I was uh, active on social media about a year ago saying I was going to join one of the bodies, whether it was the York or the Scottish, I got some info sent to me from the Scottish Rite. Now, where I'm at, you know, I was in Ferdinand at the time. Now I'm back in Birdseye. Where I'm at, I'm perfectly split in the middle where I can either go to Cordon or Evansville. And there was a, a, 
a brother from the Scottish Rite Valley in Corden, and I can't remember his name. He blew my phone up trying to recruit me. Uh, I talked about that at the uh, when I turned my petition in two weeks ago at the York Rite in, in Honeyburg, and uh, Philip Stroud, uh, he knew who he was right away. He told me his name. I can't remember it. He said, I bet it was so-and-so, and I said, that's it. Like this guy every day, well, you want your Scottish Rite petition yet? Well, I got your Scottish Rite petition here. Just <laughs> laughing. I guess uh, he's the way it was explained to me is the valley at Corden's a little bit of a newer valley compared yeah, to the one at Evansville. They're like two years old, I think, or something yeah, like that. Three, something like that. Yeah. I, I originally joined the Valley of Terre Haute. Okay. And uh, at, at that time, that was like 1973, I think. And at that time, I don't know if that's still the case anymore, I had to petition the Grand Lodge to join the Valley of Terre Haute because I was supposed to go either to living at Shoals then, I was supposed to go to Evansville or Indianapolis. Right, yeah. And I petitioned to join Terre Haute because my dad still lived in Brazil and we went in together. So I said, awesome. I'd like to join Terre Haute and go in with my dad. But but I never attended because it was so far. Yeah, <laughs> when, when they opened the Valley of George Rogers Clark, and uh, I still lived in Joel's at the time, but I live in Floyd's Knobs now, so it's a lot closer. Oh yeah. So I transferred my membership down there, and I've been a little more active in the uh, George Rogers Clark. But forget about the guy that's been calling you. I'll get you a petition for George <laughs> Rogers Clark. <laughs> See, I joined Indianapolis right after, not too long after I was raised and went through a two-day, you know, Scottish Rite reunion and everything. It was great. And I thought, well, this would be great. I'll get involved in this. And and it was an hour away from my house. And some nights I'd work till 6 o'clock. I was like, well, there's no way I'll make it tonight. And next thing you know, you just don't ever show up again. So, Along that same line, Bill, in the Blue Lodge back in the day, the districts were really well-defined. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. You know? I lived in Fort Branch. I grew up in Owensville, and I wanted to go to the Owensville Lodge. To do that took a lot of paperwork and yeah. time mm -hmm. yeah. back and forth, of which now you can, go you anywhere. can live anywhere and go anywhere. Yeah. I was you know, they don't even check anything. Anymore. I was always told back in the day it had to be, uh, you went to the closest lodge to your residence as the crow flies. It didn't mean if you other side of the mountain, it took you two hours to get there. You had to go to that one, even though you had a lodge just down the hill from you. Yeah, that's how. That's why I was yeah. told years years and ago by small guys. And, and that may have worked out in time, but in act in actual time is there was definite districts. Yeah. You know that if you lived in this district, you went to that lodge. Right. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. That's like I said for the Scottish Rite. I had to petition the Grand Lodge. Wow. To go to Terre Haute. Does it look like I could fly that well? <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> They're flapping now, big boy. <laughs> yeah, I think John Wallace told me that actually. Like when he joined, he lived in Atlanta, Indiana, and he he knew people at Tipton, but he had to join Atlanta's Lodge because that was the closest one to his house. So, but things change now. So, <laughs> they can go wherever you want, do whatever you want to do, and you know. But getting back to ritual. Um, I forgot what I was going to ask. I'm sorry. Okay, I'll, a, I'll segue for you. I was just—I had a thought in my head, and it went away real quick. You get to be like, our age; they go away a lot quicker. Kind of like when I'm doing rituals. Like, <laughs> what word was I going to say next? Well, uh, I don't. 
This is going to be the greatest and also the worst day ever because we got all these great people we've wanted to talk to, but we've got, unfortunately, we have a timetable we got to try to stick to today. A little bit, yeah. So uh, I'm not saying we're going to end it now, but we're going to start to segue to the end as we often do with each other. So put a bow on it. We'll, we'll talk to him a little bit here. Well, unless you got something else. Because I really want to hear their answers to the questions. Yeah, like, the most important question we ask on this show is the one we always end with. That's well, the one that gets me, me most excited. Let me ask you this. What, is, what was the most difficult part of ritual for you guys to learn? You're sitting here. Well, that's a good question. You're sitting here with two master ritualists. Yeah, that's, a, I mean, that's a good question, actually. Uh, the hardest thing for me to learn was the uh, five points of fellowship. That was the hardest thing for me to memorize. I still don't have that one down. I, I mean, still struggle with I that ra- one a little I, bit. I raised my brother-in-law when he went in the... Back in '09, if I remember right, and I stumbled through that. So I had it down, and I thought I had it perfect until I got to that point, and I could not even get it out of my mouth. But what? What about for you guys? I, I would always say stair lecture. For me, I would just assume it would be the stair lecture. But these guys are probably for me. It was the uh, funeral. Funeral. Okay, I can see and that because that was the first one I learned, and and I hadn't. Uh, Train myself to learn, you know. So that that was probably the the hardest one. You know, I before Brother Jim answers, I talk about this funeral lecture a lot because when we lost my grandfather, this is how well, how much this is to learn. Phil Atkins is the one that gave the funeral degree at my grandfather's Masonic Services, and I stood up there, played senior deacon. My dad, my uncle, and my cousin, who were all Masons. My cousin's still an outstanding EA still. He, uh, they all sit there and watch. Now, my, my cousin, his two younger brothers, they're all three Marines. Uh, they were sitting there. And, and yeah, when when uh, when the services was over, I went outside to, uh, back then I was still smoking cigarettes like a chimney. I went outside to have a smoke. And here come my cousin. And he goes, hey. He goes, is that guy's name Atkins too? I said, yeah, but it's spelled different. He's not related to us? No. Where was the teleprompter? And I said, What? <laughs> He goes, where was the teleprompter at? He goes, I know he didn't. I know he didn't commit that to memory. That thing he did, the whole all them words he was speaking at Grandpa. Where was the teleprompter? And my dad, again, my fifty, he's fifty-five now. He wasn't fifty-five then. My dad, who is a dues payer, not an active member. My dad goes, he didn't have no teleprompter. He said he goes outside and feeds his rabbits and just sits out there. He said his rabbits could probably recite all the rituals he's done. And, and he went back in there well, later on that night when we were back in there. I seen him peeking around. He was trying to find a monitor, a oh, teleprompter. Yeah. He thought for sure Phil, Brother Phil was reading that off of something. Well, I'll tell you this story. Uh, the funeral lecture is the reason I became a Mason. Oh, yeah. I'm one of those guys who saw my uh, grandfather's. Uh, and my grandfather was very well known. There's a lot of people about this community that, that talks about that. He had over 125 masons at his funeral service. I mean, we had them all the way around the whole funeral home and everything. It was just gigantic. And uh, oh, Doug Kaler, and nobody knows Doug Kaler, but he's a, he was a master of lodge in a little town I grew up in. And he gave that, and he he messed up a couple times. But to me, it was like this guy up there probably met my grandpa once in his life. But he took time out of his day to come and give this funeral lecture and get in a suit and tie get there and took the time to memorize it to, to begin with. And, you know, the guys are talking about there was a lot of Masons there that whole, that whole week and everything. 
And then, like I talked about masonry, and I was like, you know what? I'm, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go learn. I'm going to go be a mason. I'm going to be active. I'm going to get into it and everything. And my dad thought I would never. So there's no way you'll ever memorize all that work. You you don't have it in you. Well, everybody knows what a good challenge is, you know. And then he, next thing I know, four years later, I'm a master of my lodge. And he like, I never thought you'd do this. But that's the reason I went in, because I saw all those guys came there just to be in that funeral service. And I'm like, well, if it's that good, i got to be a part of this. Brother Sharp, what about you? Any particular piece of ritual? That you well, found? I would guess that all the ritual that I haven't learned would be the most difficult. Well, that's all. I would assume. <laughs> so now you sound like a principal. I would assume, <laughs> and I know, I know what they say about assume, but I would assume there ain't much ritual left you don't know. <laughs> but the, but that, all what I have learned, I would submit that the most difficult one was in the entered apprentice degree when the master says something starts off the the uh, speech of you you have now advanced yes that particular one was the most difficult that one still gives me fits too that that's, hard. that's tough because <laughs> i constantly forget the words that i'm like come on you know this i leave parts out of it all the time yeah i feel uh, last time i did an e8r lodge i let the part out and feels like i'm like oh yeah hold on i forgot about that one. oh that was the one where i was supposed to sit in the east but i wasn't there anyway something like that yeah yeah something like there. Well, sweet pea. I'm talking to you. Let's uh. <laughs> chocolate cake. Let's uh. That's your name from now on. <laughs> chocolate cake. Let's tie a bow on this. Let's uh take a quick potty break and get ready for another one. I've. Let's do it. This has uh been the best day ever. Cause we're gonna have so many masons. I just wish we could. We're having an Masonic on today. Yeah, basically. we're we are basically yeah. Um, so we'll uh we'll we'll throw the question out there our yep. favorite question to ask because we all get there eventually yep. the same answers it's just they're more different and more I beautiful mm. so uh what you guys were here earlier you heard it but for sake of the radio here uh when you guys lay down your working tools and and it happens to all of us no one gets out alive people think of you guys and your journey as a freemason and and what you guys have accomplished what do you hope they think back and, and remember about you guys. What do you hope your legacy across this great fraternity has been? And Brother Bill, we'll start with you. There's no right or wrong answer. I don't really care about leaving a legacy. I, I just hope they look at the look at me in the casket and say he was a good man. I have no doubt they will. Yeah, they will. Brother Brother Sharp. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a good answer in that part of it. I would hope that we'd, we would remember me as a man who had high respect for the ritual, who wanted others to learn the ritual correctly, not, not uh, ad-lib it. And, uh, uh, you know, sometimes People, brothers in my lodge would tell you that I'm pretty picky on some things. Mm -hmm. When it gets down to even just a single word, mm -hmm. that uh, you know, in the, la in the last uh, few places I've been, I've heard the word in the obligation and in the apron presentation, Harry. the word fashion used, and I have yet to find the word fashion in the ritual anywhere. And uh, yeah, I tough. hate to hear that. I, w I want to hear it done right. That's okay. the whole. That's our whole debate. We always get in with Phil the whole uh, "bad me, bade me" thing. Yeah, and he always shakes his head because we hear it all the time. Some people say "bad me," some people say "bade me." He bid me. 
tell that there. There what, you go. He bid me. What does Phil say? What does Phil say? I, Do you I, remember? I never paid attention. <laughs> I think Phil said it's bad me. I thought it was bid. Or maybe it was. How about bade? Yeah. <laughs> no. No, I don't remember which I one got, he says because I we've had bad. to talk to him. Uh, I got bad. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'll tell you the one that gets me is, and, I, and I'm like you, Jim. I, uh, I'm a stickler for the right words. And, and I, in my lodge, I don't do it everywhere, but in my lodge, when my guys say something wrong, I, I get on them. I, I try not to be uh, bad about it. Right. I try to say, you know, I'm teaching you. But the one that gets me is uh, when they say, of he who gives it. Him. And it's supposed to be of him who gives yeah. it. Yeah. And, and that's, it's like your fingernails on a scratch board oh, yeah. when I hear that. <laughs> There's a couple of the opening that the junior ward or senior warden says that everyone gets wrong. And I'm like, oh, God. Like it, oh, it's, it's armed? What, you talking about the armed without the door versus without the door armed? No, it's a different. I can't remember what it is. Right the first I, three I, months, I had to work on that because I kept stumbling my words because I was nervous. I used to say armed without the door, and they're like, and I'll never forget uh, our longtime treasurer, who's no longer with us, uh, Emmett, uh, Brother Ron's dad. Right. Emmett goes, are you just standing out there? You got the door in your hands like this? What are you talking about? I, took, I kept stumbling words. So for the first three or four months, I would say, armed without the door. I was like, oh, I see what I'm doing. Yeah, there's a, there's Let me say one more thing about that. I said I'm a stickler, but every time I go to the lodge, and I'm asked to do something, and I do whatever it is. I don't think I've ever gone through one without making a mistake. Right. Oh, so no. I still make mistakes, right. but I still want to do it right. right. My, my right. point being with, with with both you guys, though, is that you know we're not putting you guys up on a pedestal. We all understand we're human. We make mistakes, oh, but yeah. we just we recognize that we're sitting here with two really great. Ritualist, serious ritualist, and, and you guys have educated so many people. Had mm -hmm. around it, like you know, you guys seen some of the things I was saying about you both on social media, like how high of regard and how much I value being uh, brothers with you guys and friends with you guys, and how grateful we are that you're here today. You just you know, yeah, you guys make mistakes, but you guys are you, you guys have taught taught me a lot, <laughs> and I, I'm so thankful and. Uh, well, sweet pea, that's uh. I'm talking to you. Let's 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 let them introduce themselves one more time, and then uh, we'll. Uh, I have got the pea, so we're gonna have to wrap this up. Yeah, quit drinking so much. <laughs> so, show, go ahead and introduce yourself again. This is Bill Shobe, and I'm a past master past master of Lagodi Lodge 626, and past master of White River Lodge number 300. 32 at Shoals, and that's where I'm presently a member. Mm -hmm. Sharp. Jim Sharp, I'm a past master of Owensville Lodge 364, which no longer exists. I'm a past master of Fort Branch Lodge uh, 696, and I'm going to correct the years this time. It's 2016 <laughs> or 2017. That's what I thought. <laughs> I want to, not just for Todd, but for, for me personally, what this meant to me. I want to thank you both for taking time out of your Sundays, which is, you know, your guys' church days and your family days for being here with us. Like, this meant the world yep. to, to both of us, it. especially me. And uh, 
We're going to get pictures with everybody today, so when oh, we yeah. get done recording, if you guys don't mind, uh, Todd and I would like to get a picture with the two of you together for us, for our uh, social media page, if that's all right with you guys. And just um, for me in general. And just for us in general, <laughs> mainly as a keepsake. So, uh, Well, Todd, this is uh, our first roundtable. Yeah. I Hello. thought this was going to go a lot worse because I thought everybody was going to be stepping over everybody on the mic, and it really didn't happen. So, mm-hmm. so let's wrap it up, bub. All right. So uh, for Brother Shobe and Brother Sharp. Brother Todd. Brother Jared. This has been another episode of That Other Masonic Podcast. Again, thank you to Vincent's number one, allowing us to do a full slate of recordings here this week. Yep. Uh, And we will see you guys next time. Peace.